Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Liverpool left it late until minute 98. Newcastle saw Isaac's impact, but it was in vain as Klopp's side snatched a winner at the death in the top flight last night. Five Premier League fixtures to peruse on today's episode of Football Social Daily, with honours even between West Ham and Spurs, Arsenal maintaining their mantle as league leaders, and it was hat-trick Haaland for the second time in a week as Erling eviscerated Forrest. We'll look back and we'll also look ahead not only to Leicester City versus Manchester United tonight, but also the transfer deadline as Premier League clubs have until 11pm this evening to get their business done. Chelsea have dominated the transfer headlines this summer and there aren't many bigger headline makers than the player they've been linked to signing today. More on that shortly on FSD, the Premier League podcast from Sports Social. Hit subscribe now and you won't miss a show. My name's Niall and just like Harlan's back-to-back hat-tricks, we have a consecutive dosage of Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson today. Good morning, boys. Morning, guys. How are we doing? You all right? Good morning. Lucky, lucky viewers, aren't they, with the back-to-back... Laurent Robert and Amiobi back again. <laughs> I mean, talking of lucky and talking of whether anyone's all right this morning, we've got to come to you first, Marley, because last night in the Premier League, Liverpool hosted Newcastle at Anfield as one of five top flight fixtures that we're going to go through on today's show. And they beat Newcastle by two goals to one. They scored a 98th minute winner, Carvalho, their summer signing bagging the winner off the crossbar from very close range, it had to be said. The winner came in the 98th minute, and all I've seen on social media since that winner went in was, where did eight minutes of stoppage time come from? Just explain to us this morning, mate, as a Newcastle fan, how you're feeling and the kind of reason why people are upset on socials about this. Uh, well, I think you summed it up there, you know. it's um, We don't know where the extra minutes come from, and... It's it's one thing to say, oh yeah, it's always a minimum of uh, of the cert, you know the the number that goes up on the board, um, and that is, I mean, if you know football, it's never the case, is it? It's, you know, if if there's two minutes added on when it when the clock hits ninety two, the whistle always goes, absolutely every time. Um, 
so 95, I think Nick Pope went down, um, like injured or whatever, um, in extra time. He was down for, uh, I think it was just under 90 seconds. Um, that leaves, if you add that onto the 95, that's 96 and a half. And they played two more minutes after that. So we don't really understand it, but, um, you know, the, the scenes on the bench and the scenes from, from, uh, Liverpool as a, as a whole, um, is kind of nice to see because they were at, they were they were buzzing. Like I'm not saying you shouldn't celebrate wins at all. Like celebrate wins, it's football. But from where we were to where we are, you know, for for Liverpool, like taking, you know, basically something that shouldn't have happened to beat us without Saint Maximin, without Wilson, without Bruno, and at Anfield, and without Cher and Botman, who have been our starting centre backs for the last three games running. You know, it, it it's more of a a thing for me, like I'm not too hung up on the result. Um, I thought the game should have been a draw. I think a draw would have been fair to be to be honest. But um, from where we were to where we are, we're going to Anfield and like very very nearly getting a result. We're getting robbed of a result. Whereas you know a year ago, uh, a two or you know, one to ten years ago, we were getting smashed five and six there. So it's a sign of how far we come when we go there with a basically a second team that's played three games in a week against Liverpool who have played I think one game, you know, one game at the weekend and then another one today. They haven't had a they had an easy run out at the weekend and they've played against uh, again last night. Didn't play last week in the Carabao. Um and then uh, they've they've took a hell of a lot to beat us in a last minute scrappy goal at the end. So yeah, it's uh it's got in last night when it went in, like my phone did fly across the room, but uh <laughs> never mind. We move on. Yeah, Liverpool 2-1 winners, 98th minute winner from Carvalho, but the Newcastle goal scorer was Alexander Isak on his debut, the Swede with a really good finish. And in fact, he did score another goal, but that was ruled out, wasn't it? So just the one for him on debut. But uh, good signs, Marley, good signs from what you've seen last night. Just talk to us about how impressed you were with Isak. Yeah, very good. Um, I think he's only played a couple of um, training sessions with us. Uh, He was waiting for the work permit to come through to play a game. Obviously, that came through at about like three o'clock, I think, yesterday. Um, so that was a, down to the wire with that one. He's only played a couple of light training sessions because we had the game on um, on Sunday and then we played, obviously, Wednesday night. So there's only been a couple of light recovery sessions on Monday and Tuesday and a bit of tactical on Wednesday morning sort of thing. So it's um, it was really good to see him. He was he was involved. He understood he understood the assignment. He, he knew what how we were playing. He was happy on the... Uh, on the counter attack, he was a threat. He, he linked well, I think, with Fraser and, and Almiron, um, and he got involved in the game. Uh, I was just a bit disappointed he come off after sixty minutes because um, I know he's, you know, he, he had a, I think he had a full preseason with Sociedad. He, 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 as far as we know, he's, he's fully fit. But he come off after after an hour, and I think we lost a lot on the on the counter attack because I, I cannot remember Chris Wood touching the ball, um, and it's becoming very apparent that he just cannot cut it at, at, in this team he is not a, a counter-attacking threat at all and um, when you take off Isak and you haven't got St Maximan as an outlet an outlet as well you know we, we lost a lot on the counter-attack that's why we kind of sort of sort tried to see it out um, but his goal his goal was very very well taken um, and his his disallowed goal where they somehow made it as though he was offside I, I do not know but um the way he the way he took it was was superb. You know, he pinned himself on Gomez, who 
think I think it was against um, Crystal Palace that um, Gomez got the offside trap wrong, so he pinned himself on him, got the he sprung the offside trap or thought he had. Um, turns out to be a millimetre offside or whatever VAR deemed it to be, but his finish was superb. He, he put Robinson on his backside and, and then put uh, skimmed past Gomez and stuck it past Allison as if it was just child's play. So really, um, really good signs, and hopefully we'll see him again at the weekend when I go up to St James's to watch him play Crystal Palace. Seven points for Alexander Isak last night in fantasy football. He was on my bench and I forgot to put him in my team. Absolute nightmare, <laughs> considering I don't have Erling Haaland either. And I know so many people that have captained him. I know, error. it's ridiculous. Just give City the title now. I mean, come on. 6-0 last night they won against Forest from one number nine to another who's new in the Premier League, Joel. Erling Haaland might be new, as I say, in the top flight of English football, but back-to-back hat-tricks, it's like he's been here for years. The guy's scary, isn't he? 6-0 City beat Forest last night. Half of the goals come from him. Yeah, I was reading someone's statistic that said he's only 25% of the way there to destroying the Premier League record of goals scored in a season. And we're only in, well, the start of September, which is pretty scary considering <laughs> we've played he's got... four games <laughs> we've played four games you know it's quite scary considering we've got like another what 34 35 games uh, sorry 33 games to go now that they play five games I don't know where this guy's ceiling is to be honest he's only 22 I, th- I had slight reservations when he first came and that's purely because when players come from the Bundesliga typically they don't tend to adapt as quick as players from other leagues and it's I'm pretty it's pretty proven in the past but it seems as though City just get every single player from the Bundesliga correct because Edin Dzeko he hit the ground running with City scored some massive goals Ilke Gundogan I mean he's been one of the best players in the Premier League for a good number of years now and as we've seen with Haaland I mean back-to-back hat-tricks he's joined a pretty elite club of players who've done that I think it was Les Ferdinand, Rooney, Kane I don't know if Shearer did it and there was another player I can't remember, but there's only five players in it and he's done it in five games, which is pretty impressive, isn't it? Um, But it just shows as well, not only Haaland, but the level of depth that they have if he doesn't score, which is Julian Alvarez, which I think deserves a mention. And that's purely because, I mean, coming from South America as well, um, although he was straight into the season since their season ends in the summer, doesn't it? So he's pretty much match fit going into this season. And to have that level of depth and just that insurance policy for Haaland, because obviously he will need to be rotated during the season. Everyone knows his injury record at Dortmund isn't incredible. So for City to have that player who Gabriel Jesus pretty much was, um, they basically replaced him straight away, haven't they, with another backup South American who could do a job straight away. Uh, but on the flip side as well, it is worrying for Nottingham Forest just because... It must be such a difficult task to have, I don't know how many players they've signed now, it's 19 players. To try and find your best 11, it's going to take a lot of time, especially when you can't do it in pre-season. And they haven't got a lot of time and to lose points consistently, and if they are to go down, would be an absolute disaster for them to have all these players that they just signed on big contracts. But yeah, City look pretty formidable at the moment, and... Another scary thought is that during the World Cup, Haaland's going to have another month with his feet up. So good luck to the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, in all fairness to Forrest, I think there'll be a few teams that Erling Haaland scores goals against this season. And to lose 6-0 to Manchester City is not something that is unusual. To, to concede 4 or 5 to them happens a lot to teams that are a 
better than Forest, with no disrespect to, to Steve Cooper's side. But it was City and Haaland who did the damage. And as you say, credit to Alvarez as well, who scored two. And I thought the two goals he scored were really good finishes at that. Moving on to West Ham versus Spurs. A London derby last night at London Stadium. Finished one apiece. Declan Rice, after the game, Marley, was saying that it's a positive point for West Ham United. They've not started the brightest. They would have liked a, a better start to the season. But to draw 1-1 with Spurs in a London derby, Declan Rice was pretty happy with that. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, West Ham's level of performance makes it a good point. I think, so, you know, sometimes if you if you draw with uh, with Spurs, you, you're probably looking at, you're probably sort of expecting Spurs to have dominated the game. But West Ham had plenty of it and they had plenty of chances where... You know, on another day they could have won fairly comfortably. I think. I think Antonio hit the post with a with a beauty. Uh, Bowen put one across the face of goal. Uh, there was a, a chance where Spurs tried to play out from the back and, and messed it up somewhat rotten. So um, there was a lot of good signs for West Ham. I think they're out of that little spell now where they they dropped a few points in the season. You know, the season settles down, and I think they only lose that game against Nottingham Forest earlier in the season because it's the first home game of. Of Forest, for example, and, and it left them sort of bottom of the table to a couple of games, and then they lost the next one, and it was it was kind of one of them where as soon as everything settles down and and the transfer window in particular ends, because West Ham are always trying to do business, aren't they? Um, to, right towards deadline day, they they always seem to be chucking bids left, right, and centre for everybody and trying to sign people. Um, late bid for Messi, but <laughs> it was too late, you know. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be going after Neymar till nine o'clock tonight, and then little, little David Gold will be coming out and going, "Oh well, I tried, mate. I tried to get him, but he just doesn't want to come West Ham." <laughs> um, but it's uh, that's, that's my Cockney accent, by the way. I didn't, didn't expect that to do that. This as bad morning. as I thought it was going to be. It was alright. Would it be worse? Yeah, it wasn't I'm, too bad. I've got to get a roll on EastEnders next. Um, <laughs> I'm going to run in the Queen Vic. But um, now West Ham were good. I thought Spurs were were pretty poor, to be honest. I expected more from them, but. Um, Yes, it's it's a good point for West Ham. I understand where Declan Rice is coming from, to be honest. I think with Tottenham being poor, as you say, but yet still managing to get a result in a London derby away from home, I think that shows what Conte's brought to the table. You know, they're not playing their best at the moment, Spurs, but yet, you know, they've had a reasonable start to the season. Whereas in seasons gone by under previous managers, Tottenham might have played like that and lost the game 2-0, 3-0, something like that. So I think that does show that Maybe there is that little bit more steel in Tottenham's side now than there was before. Moving on to Arsenal, though, who are top of the Premier League table. And they have won all of their fixtures so far this season. They continued that winning start, kept up that 100% record. But we mentioned it yesterday on the podcast, Joel, that Steven Gerrard needs results and needs performances fast from his side. They were beaten 2-1, Aston Villa, in the end. And their next game isn't any easier either as they welcome or they travel in fact to Manchester City I'm not sure they've got City next anyway they've just won 6-0 but um, Gerard feels like you know it feels like it's now or never for him really to start winning some game yeah just three points in five games at the moment and judging from his quality of plays as well and the signings that they've made he should be doing way better with that team because on paper it is a team which I I had down at the start of the season to be at least like a top ten ti- top ten side just because of how much quality is in every area. Um, in this game though, they did improve slightly. They were a lot better than they were in the previous four games, and to equalise and then for Gabriel Martinelli to score three minutes later to basically kill the game off. 
it's just small moments and details like that which are going to obviously paint the the picture but Gerard really and he knows it he said it even after the game that he's massively concerned and he has every right to be not just in his team but in himself because like I mentioned that team should be doing way better on the pitch and I just feel like if it gets to for example October and they're still in the same position I've never been one for being reactionary when it comes to you know switching and changing managers like Bournemouth have just done in the last four days but I truly believe that a better, more technical manager would get way more out of this team. It remains to be seen if he can improve, but honestly, his his credentials from Rangers, they were so lofty when he came. You know, I mentioned on another on another episode of the podcast where people were making links to Jurgen Klopp potentially retiring to Gerard's contract he received as if he was going to seamlessly take over something that Jurgen Klopp's built over seven years. It was absolutely ridiculous. You've got to earn your stripes in the Premier League before you can even be even be considered with these big jobs. And as we've seen at Villa now, they're struggling massively with a team that's so good on paper, but again, on paper doesn't translate to on the pitch and that's where they're struggling a lot so it's going to be really testing like you say they've got some really tricky fixtures coming up in September and I don't know how resolute the Aston Villa owners are in terms of sticking or twisting but as we saw with Dean Smith when the going gets tough they aren't afraid to switch it up so let's see how that one progresses. Yeah he's been in post since November Stephen Gerrard but Villa fans probably a little bit disappointed with how things have turned out under his leadership so far. They lost 2-1 to Arsenal last night, but in all fairness, Arsenal have beaten everyone they faced in the Premier League this season up to now. Bournemouth nil, Wolves nil, the final game from last night that we're going to talk about on today's show. Finished goalless, but a fair enough response from Bournemouth, Marley, who of course went into the game managerless after sacking Scott Parker earlier this week. It was Gary O'Neill in temporary charge, and they managed to grind out a 0-0 draw at home. I mean, it's not the most flattering or the most attractive result, but it's a lot better than 9-0. It is a lot better than 9-0. Um, it was, yeah, not a not a classic, was it? But, you know, I think it's important to bounce back. I think if you look at Bournemouth's fixtures, you know, they played Man City, Liverpool and Arsenal so far this season. You know, uh, if you write all those games off, what have you done in the other two games? And, you know, they won on the first day of the season, beat Villa. Um, and then it's Wolves. So, you know, you've got four points from your winnable games there. I would I would describe the other three as unwinnable for an, for a newly promoted team. You look at how those other teams I've just mentioned are playing. Those games are unwinnable for a newly promoted team who are still trying to sign players and have gone through a managerial uh, change and one that they could probably have seen coming with the with the way he was talking about the, the squad and, and things like that. So I think it's it was just important to not get beat and you know that that's exactly what happened. I thought Wolves pro- dominated the game. Um, I think Nunes nearly scored an absolute belter. The the new signing from uh, Sporting, um, Neil Neto went close as well. So it was one of those where, as long as you dig in and get a get something on the board, you know you you're all right. And I think that's. That's ultimately what happens, so fair play to them. Finished goalless in the end between Bournemouth and Wolves. We'll hear what Francis Benali and Sol Bamba 
think about Scott Parker's dismissal on the dugout, which is out tomorrow on the Football Social Daily feed. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. That's our weekly Premier League show featuring former top flight professionals. So Sol and Franny will be joining me for that one. Next up, though, on Football Social Daily, we're going to talk about the one remaining midweek top flight fixture. It's Leicester versus Manchester United. It's a big game for both sides this. We'll talk about it after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. The final top flight fixture of this midweek rack of games is Leicester City versus Manchester United at King Power Stadium. Manchester United with two wins in a row after two losses to start the Premier League season. Eric Ten Hag's finally got some points on the board. As for Leicester, they are in the bottom three of the Premier League and I think they are even they might even be rock bottom of the table at this point in time they're definitely in the relegation zone things are not going great at King Power Stadium right now Brendan Rodgers under some pressure from supporters Wesley Fofana has departed lots of problems there at Leicester City but let's focus on Manchester United first and we'll come to you Joel seeing as you're the United fan among us here Casemiro got 10 minutes off the bench against Southampton last week he came on and only played as I say a handful of minutes but looked accomplished do you think he should start this game against Leicester City away from home today. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a very reactionary person, but he's the best defensive midfielder I've ever seen. Um, in that 10 minute cameo, and I'm joking. <laughs> he, he, he did look great in the in the 10 minutes that we saw. He was mopping up really quick. You can tell just when a player comes to the club and you see the demeanor on the pitch and the personality. You can tell he's going to be a guy who's just you know the sergeant major of the team, organizing making sure that everyone's in position. He, he's been around top European size and top European football for a good six, seven years now. And none of this will be new to him. And I just think that we've lacked a real defensive midfielder since probably Michael Carrick, which is incredibly 11 years ago. And that's absolutely shocking considering how long it's been and the amount of players who've came and gone in his position and just never quite filled his boots. But now we've got a genuine world-class replacement and he will for sure be straight into that first team for me, uh, potentially alongside Fred and maybe Bruno because Ericsson looked like he was fatiguing a little bit at the end of the Southampton game. But this is just a game like you mentioned where I don't know if it's the best time to play Leicester or the worst time because as we've seen in the past... Uh, teams who are on a quite difficult run, they do need an occasion to kind of lift the spirits a little bit and try to, 
play to the occasion to actually get out of the mess that they're in because one point in four games, rock bottom of the Premier League. If another defeat happens on uh, t- uh, tonight, I mean, five games, one point, they're going to be rock bottom. And like you say, Brendan Rodgers is going to be un- under some real pressure going into the next one. But it's a game where United have momentum and Leicester don't have momentum. And that's where I have a lot of confidence in it. The only issue is just that, again, Anthony Martial's injured and I was so impressed with him in pre-season. So it may be a case where Ronaldo, who looks to be staying, um, barring any last-minute deal. I don't know how it would work if he was playing and they managed to get a deal for him while he was on the pitch. Is that even possible? (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) with this game, I think you're right in saying that Leicester, of course, are in poor form and things are a bit gloomy over the club at the moment but when Manchester United are visiting I mean it always gives the opposition side a lift so you know who's to say that Leicester who did perform well in some games last season they beat Manchester United 4-2 in this fixture uh, last year so who's to say that they can't show up and turn up and put a performance in they've got players like James Madison like Yuri Tielemans who who on their day can be very very good but that's the problem at the moment with Leicester isn't it Marley they've lost for Fana they're in the bottom three there's no confidence there's rumours around Yuri Tielemans future of course we're on transfer deadline day he might not even feature tonight if he is going to end up playing for someone else there's rumours and speculation around a number of players it's been a brutal summer for them and a brutal window for them and a brutal start to the Premier League season just how big is this game for Leicester City it's a big game I think Leicester need this uh, need this transfer window to shut because it's been an absolute nightmare for them um, they did, well to be fair they needed to stay up until they get more play but that's not happening so you know I can't see them getting they might they might get a loan maybe towards the end of the window tonight but it's it's even dropped. I think they've been so unlucky with, you know, Fafana throwing his toys out the pram and then even down to tonight and they've got a bloody game so they can't even spend the night in the boardroom and, you know, thrashing out deals and sending faxes and emails to, to teams around the, the country to try and get a centre-back in to replace Fafana or a midfielder to in to, in to replace Tielemans. You know, he's probably not going to play because he's got a year on his contract so now's the only time you can really... Uh, get a fee for him so they've got to play Man United and you know Man United are on the up and they're they're struggling it's just it's just a bit of a um, a mess right now really at, Le- at Leicester but they're good enough to come out of it they've got a, a good enough manager it's just I feel like it's the belief around the around the club like do they do they believe they can go again and and rebuild if after losing you know after a summer losing Fafana maybe Tielemans um and then still be a threat next season, be, uh, well, this season, sorry, because that's what they've got to do. They've got to get over this um, this blow. Yes, they've had a bad window, but you know you've got to bounce back from that. I think, and uh, whether they can do that or not is is you know, well, that remains to be seen. But I do fear for Rogers. I I feel like he's lost a bit of belief in that job, um, and he's not that bothered how it goes. I, I just get that feeling from him now, but. It's a shame, really, as well, because you know I've spoken in the past about about Leicester winning the FA Cup in the Premier League, and do they feel like that's it? Um, the psychological thing of missing out on the top four twice late in the last two seasons is is huge. It, it creates a a hell of a hangover, um, and I think if they're in the Champions League, it's harder to prize for Fafana away, and it's harder to prize Tielemans away. But because it hasn't happened, you get them now four games in four or five games in at the season, bottom of the league. You know, having to play Man United while trying to do deals on deadline day, which just isn't going to happen. So it's uh, it's a bit of a mess right now. I, I do feel for Leicester, but 
it's uh, that's football, I'm afraid. Yeah, and we've often said, haven't we, in the Premier League, with teams, you look at their squads and you think, oh, they're probably too good to be in the bottom three and too good to go down. But that is the brutality of this division. You can go down despite the fact you have very good players in your squad. And Leicester need to react. They need a reaction. And, you know, tonight can't come soon enough for that reaction. They'll they'll be fine towards, like, you know, in terms of going down. Yeah, I, I mean, they finished eighth fine, last but... year in the end, didn't they? So... Yeah. You know, that's easily forgotten considering <laughs> yeah, did, yeah. where they were. They were sort of 12th, 13th for a large portion of the season. They ended the campaign really well and ended up finishing 8th. Yeah, they had a lot of games in hand, didn't they, because of a few postponements and, and Europa League so stuff, Conference League and stuff. So, yeah, it's, um, there's talent there. They just need to, to harness it and focus in on it and, and get this window out of the way and, and go again. Right, Manchester United won't have Anthony available because the paperwork wasn't filed in time for him to play tonight, but he has been announced officially by United this morning as their new signing from Ajax. He'll probably play at the weekend against Arsenal. That might well be his debut. Of course, Casemiro, we've already mentioned him. He could play tonight. But what about Cristiano Ronaldo? There's been speculation linking him with a move away from the club all summer, Joel. But it looks like now, from Eric Ten Hag's press conference yesterday, that he's going to stay at Manchester United and that Eric Ten Hag's had conversations with him. He knows that, you know, Cristiano is probably unhappy with the way things are going at the moment. He's been brought off the bench in recent matches. Do you think that that is going to be his role going forward? Do you think he is, unfortunately for him, and no matter how great he's been over the course of history, uh, it looks like he might be a bench performer for United now? Yeah, it's it's quite, a, I think it's probably a strange situation for Ronaldo to be in because he doesn't quite have the leverage that he's had in his whole career which is being an indispensable player being the main man obviously with well within his rights because he was scoring 30 40 50 70 goals in a calendar year every every single year so now that he finds himself at 37 but with a manager who likes to play football which is very high press high energy is going to be an interesting situation to see play out because right now obviously Anthony Martial I don't think he can be relied upon for a whole season to stay fit so Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be the fall-on guy to actually get the goals and we saw that last season that he can do it I mean he scored just over 20 goals in all competitions last season and that was in the worst Man United Premier League side in history but it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts I don't I don't believe that the situation is as bad as how the media have played out because as Ten Hag has just said in his conferences, he he knew what Ronaldo's situation was a long time ago and they've they've had talk I'm sure they've had many talks, but I feel like the media have blown it blown it massively out of proportion in terms of, you know, his attitude and training and this, this kind of thing. I mean, if if history tells you anything, it's that if he doesn't get his move, he'll still continue to perform to a super high level. As we saw in two thousand and eight when he wanted to move after the Champions League win in Moscow. Um he stayed another season because Ferguson said we will let you we'll, we'll let you go next season if you give us one more year and he still produced a really good season the next season i think everyone forgets that he's a top level professional you know emphasis on the word professional regardless of if he doesn't get his move or not if he doesn't then he'll be back into game mode again and trying to help the team win titles so i don't think it's going to be this hindrance because I can imagine that the media are going to paint this picture of him being this sulky pro in the background and not getting his own way and, you know, all of this malarkey. I don't believe it to be true at all. I think he'll realise once this day passes that he's not going to get his move. 
He's 37. Time's of the essence to continue adding to his amazing goal-scoring record and title wins. So he's going to have to bulk up and be part of the team. But like I mentioned, it's with a manager now who's got a different idea of playing and he wants youth in his forward line. So it's going to be interesting, but I think he's going to have a bigger role than what people make out because, like I say, Anthony Martial, I don't think he can be relied upon. Yeah, he's not going to play against Leicester, as you mentioned earlier, Joel Martial. He's out with injury might be back for the Arsenal game at the weekend but with Ronaldo and let's not say never because we're recording this in the morning on transfer deadline day and in 12 hours time Cristiano Ronaldo might be holding up a shirt and a scarf for another club you just don't know what happens on this final day of the window sometimes it can move so quick but let's just presume as the reports claim that he is going to stay how much more beneficial could a wound up Cristiano Ronaldo be Marley to Manchester United he doesn't like being a sub he hates coming off Uh, the bench for the last 10 minutes and being used as an impact player. He wants to play every game, every 90 minutes from the very start and get in and amongst it and score goals and be the main man. At the moment, he's not that for Manchester United. But if you wind him up, do you think that that might actually benefit him when he does come on and make him a little bit more explosive? (laughs) Yeah, it could do. You know, it's like when, uh, you know, players don't get like decisions and stuff for them and and they get up and all of a sudden that adrenaline boost just you know spurs them on for the next few minutes and they, they go back and end up scoring a scoring a goal you remember Wayne Rooney against Newcastle when he was arguing with the ref calling him every name under the sun and a ball lands on his boot and he hits one of the best volleys of you've ever seen in the Premier League in the sort of two, 2008 I think it was or something like that uh, and it, you know the ball would have still been travelling now if the net hadn't been there it was hit hit so hard hit with that that anger and frustration and I think uh I think I think I think you're both right to be honest like Joel saying like if he is professional I mean the the thing around him is you know the, the rumors around him should never come out because he's not very professional to be fair but him himself I do think he is he is mature enough to just say right it it didn't happen uh I'm going to knuckle down and, and see what happens I think the avenues for him to leave weren't really there. You know, there's only a handful of clubs that can afford him in the world. They're all set. Um, Real Madrid, you know, just won the Champions League and, and La Liga. They, they're not going to take him back because they don't need him. They don't need that pressure on the wage budget. And the only realistic option became Sporting um, in Portugal. And Ruben Amarim, the manager there, actively does not want him. And he said he said uh, that he might, uh, he might walk away from... Um, from the club, if if they do sign him because it's against his wishes, um, they've got a very young team there, still trying to sort of mature and and stuff and grow as a as a club, um, and you're looking at that uh, that and saying, well, that was his his cheaper option to go, you know, to if you're looking at clubs that can get him on on um, sort of a, a, an emotional basis that's the only club that could really sign him um champions league football's there and the infrastructure's there to to afford him i think just about because the tourism it, it would bring and stuff and the shirts it would sell is amazing but it's it, it was never there so i think he does have to crack on and and score score goals he'll still come up in big moments for man united this season you can be you can be sure of that because a guy who scored 800 or a thousand goals in his career whatever he scored is is not one to be just widely ignored 
Yeah, I've seen rumours as well linking in with a move to Napoli in Serie A with potential for a swap deal with Victor Ozimen, but also there's like 100 million euros of fee involved, which I don't think is going to happen at this point. Um, but you never know. Deadline of 11pm is fast approaching. Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United for the moment and United travel to Leicester tonight in the Premier League. But what other moving and shaking could we see on this final day of the summer transfer window? We'll discuss it next after this on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Final part of today's FSD. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. The dugout is back tomorrow with myself, Francis Benali and Sol Bamba. But for now, we're going to look at transfer deadline day. 11pm is the cutoff for Premier League clubs to get their business done for another summer window. And the summer window has been dominated really by Chelsea FC. On the back pages, they've been linked with a number of different players. They've brought in some big names like Koulibaly and Sterling. They've also signed the likes of Kukurea as well. But this latest rumour seems to have really put the cat amongst the pigeons. Chelsea have been offered Neymar by PSG, according to some sources today. Do you think this is legit, Joel, or do you think this is some deadline day bluster? With the way Todd Bowley's moving in this window, honestly, I would not put it past him to put in some ridiculous 150 million bid and let's see what PSG say. But no, it's... It's another one of those stories. I'm sure there was actually real interest in him because earlier in the summer, I think there was some murmurs of Chelsea being potentially interested purely on the basis that Neymar may want to look to leave. But right now, Neymar's in the form of his life. I think he's got seven Lejeune goals in five games, six assists. He's top scorer there. He's really enjoying his football, which hasn't really been the case in the last two, three years in, in Paris, especially with... You know, the arrival of Kylian Mbappe, who's pretty much stole the limelight there. But I feel like for Chelsea, although it would be an absolutely game-changer of a move, I just don't see Neymar ever moving from PSG until I think it's time to potentially go back to Brazil, to Santos again and end his career. But, you know, as I've said in different podcasts, Chelsea do need someone like him who is a goal scorer. And I think right now, as I've just seen 
the Athletic report that Aubameyang is potentially moving to Chelsea today and he could be, you know, the person who could actually find the back of the net. But I wasn't massively convinced with him in his later days in Arsenal. He just looked like he lacked pace in the final third, which he, everyone had been so used to in his earlier Arsenal days. But then on the flip side, he was Barcelona's one of Barcelona's top scorers last season. So it's hard to see what kind of Aubameyang you're going to get, really. Um, but it's a step in the right direction because, like I've mentioned previously, Kai Havertz is not the person who's going to get you titles. Um, I think he's been living off that Champions League goal for one too many years now. And um, it would have been nice for them to get Neymar. I'm glad they're not getting him. But yeah, it's another it's another rumour mill transfer that's just going to get flung off its hinges. Thomas Tuchel's a former PSG boss. And I seem to remember, I might be wrong here, but I seem to remember... Marley, that when he was there and when he left, he said it was difficult for him to deal with all of the egos. I'm not sure whether he said that explicitly or whether that was kind of the general consensus around his departure. But certainly in terms of the big characters at PSG, Neymar is one of them and one of the biggest names, the biggest draws in world football. Uh, Along with Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, they're probably the three most famous football players on the planet. So In terms of PSG and the link with Thomas Tuchel, do you think that that is a reason for Neymar to join Chelsea or do you think that that's maybe looking a little bit too deep into it? I wouldn't have have thought so. I I think if if he was to leave, you know, it's it's a similar case to to Ronaldo. You know, there's only a certain amount of players that can, uh, clubs that can house a player of that stature. You know, I think... And to be honest, Chelsea is one of them. Chelsea are the uh, ones that that are uh, rich enough and um, potentially have that uh, that um, space in in the squad for him. I think you know the the front line at uh, at Chelsea is is in need of in need of work. You know, Tuchel doesn't know what his best system is. He doesn't know what his best formation is. I don't think right now. So. If you're looking at that, there could be something there for Neymar if it if it did happen. I don't expect it to happen at all. I think it's just paper talk. But you know, the the basis of it there could make sense um, for maybe a future move, maybe a January move, or something like that. Um, if if Neymar keeps getting frustrated at Mbappe telling him when he's getting subbed and what boots to wear and what to eat for his dinner and stuff like that at, at PSG, if all those rumours are to be believed, but I feel like it's more of a he needs money. Uh, and a new challenge and Chelsea have got money and can offer a new challenge rather than I want to go and play for Tuchel again because it was so good under him at PSG I don't think that was the case so we'll have to wait and see but I I can't see him moving before the deadline tonight at all yeah I mean Neymar would be a ridiculous transfer for Chelsea Um, it seems like he's been linked with Chelsea before I just seem to have that in my head for some reason, but that is what's on the back pages of the papers today. We will find out by tonight whether there's any substance in that Chelsea Neymar rumour. Let's talk about someone we've already touched upon once on today's podcast, and that's Yuri Tielemans, the Belgian midfielder for Leicester City. Arsenal have been interested for ages now, Joel, but Newcastle United have allegedly joined the race as well. We'll wait and see what happens this evening when the starting 11 and the squads respectively are announced by Brendan Rodgers. But this would be a big blow for Leicester. To lose Fofana and to lose Tielemans in the same window, that's a tough one to recover from. What do you make of this whole speculation around him? Especially with a player who has one year on his contract, they're the most difficult ones to manage, I think, because especially when you get closer to the deadline day, the selling club 
loses its leverage day by day by day just purely on the basis that they realise if they don't accept an offer now then they're going to get nothing and they're going to have a player on their hands who wants to clearly leave so it's a little bit of a difficult dilemma to solve that for Leicester but I just don't see any movement happening today and I've just seen David Ornstein say that Arsenal are looking at Douglas Louise instead today from Aston Villa so it does look like Telia Mons is probably going to be staying at Leicester for another year and then potentially leaving on a free agent in the summer next year but like I mentioned it's just a case for Leicester of opportunity costs do you keep Telium on for another year and is he going to help you get out of this mess or do you take the 20-25 million for him and attempt to replace him in the five, six, seven hours that you've got remaining on a deadline day this is the issue for them and I just don't see that happening um, I feel like if they lose him who's a massive staple pin in that midfield it's just going to send them into another downward spiral because they've already lost Wesley Fofana and he was the he was the defender in that side and now they've had to replace him with a defender from Rems if I saw correctly and this is what I mean it's going to take time to adapt, time to adjust to the system and it's going to be the same with losing Telemann so I think for Leicester in this situation and in the situation that they're in I think it's just far more beneficial to keep him, say goodbye to the 20-25 million, it comes and goes and just keep him for another year because right now potentially they could find themselves in a relegation battle just from how they're looking at the moment um, so I think it's just beneficial to keep him Telemann stays, says Joel but Newcastle, one of the clubs linked with him, would you have him at Newcastle United, Marley? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a heartbeat He's uh, he's a top quality player. I think he can play for you know comfortably a top four team. I think just the timing of of his move has not been quite right in terms of people who want to come and buy him. I think I think he could get in that Chelsea team. I think he he could walk into the Arsenal team. Um, I think he could get in that Liverpool team easily. I looked at the other midfield last night. I didn't think it was it was very good. I think Henderson's legs have totally gone. He doesn't offer anything anymore in, in my opinion. But Tielemans is. He's the right age, I think. Is he about 20, 25, 26? So, you know, he's 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 got everything. He's got experience of, of big clubs and big games and uh, and uh, Premier League has experience as well. He's played plenty of, you know, probably coming up to 100 Premier League games, I, I would expect, with him being at Leicester for two or three years. So, it's, um, if we, I mean, if Newcastle are interested, which they should be, I sh- I'd be absolutely buzzing with the move. I, I don't know if it'll work. I hope it does, because um, we need probably one more centre midfielder to to help us out a little bit more um, in in sort of controlling games and getting ourselves into games and keeping possession a little bit. But if we were to get him, I think he does everything you want in a midfielder. I think he, he can tackle, he can read the game well, and his his passing and long range shooting is is superb. So uh, yeah, hopefully we can get him. But I, I do my sort of gut feeling on it is that he'll stay, and Leicester will take the hit on. Uh, on losing him for free because they've they've got the 80 ish million in the bank from Fofana, so they can sign a replacement for Telemans in January and hopefully another centre back with that with that huge fee. So I would expect him to stay and, and go on a free in uh, in well next summer, but sign it in January mm. maybe. 
Well, he's 25 years old now, and it feels like ages ago that he was first sent on loan by Monaco to Leicester City. They made the deal permanent. He scored a winning goal in the FA Cup final. I'm sure it would be sad to see him leave for Leicester fans, but we'll wait and see what happens with him. Um, What about Crystal Palace then? Final chance for rumour we're going to talk about here, and it's not really a rumour, Joel. It's that their potential deals for Conor Gallagher, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Aaron Wambasaka, three potential incomings on deadline day, look to be off the table. That's a blow for Patrick Vieira. They're three players who would have been useful to him. I think the biggest shame is the Conor Gallagher situation because even though he will get minutes here and there for Chelsea, he just fits so well in that Crystal Palace system with Vieira. And I feel like even it would have been more beneficial for Chelsea to actually send him on loan for another season there. I know that they're lacking in midfield options at the moment and quality midfield options because... You know, Kante's having a lot of injury problems at the moment. I don't think Jorginho's at the same height of his career that he, that he was uh, one, two years ago. So he is a great option for them in the midfield. But like we've seen with so many Chelsea players who end up coming back from their loans, it just feels like they're just so disjointed in the Chelsea team. And it feels like they need a new lease of life when they go to somewhere else again. Um, and I'm sure Patrick Vieira will be really disappointed with that one, especially because... As, as we saw last season, his performances ended up getting him an England call-up and it's the reason why Chelsea are wanting to hold on to him at the moment. And again, with Wan-Bissaka, he's a player who's not going to get many minutes for this United side. And he's a Crystal Palace boy as well. I'm sure he would have improved their de- them defensively so much. So Vieira can be disappointed, but I mean, they've, made, they've done some really good business this summer. And as we've saw in the performances in the first five games... I'm absolutely not worried for them in the slightest this season. I think they're going to have a really strong season. Uh, But, you know, Vieira would have wanted to progress. And I feel like with any one or two of those plays, it would have for sure got them to maybe different heights. But, you know, it's difficult for them to push deals through against the big clubs who have all the pulling power. Okay, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. That certainly isn't it for Transfer Deadline Day, though. We will be back again tomorrow with another episode of the podcast. We'll also be back later with our short-form show. It's around five to seven minutes long. It's called Football Social Daily Shots, and we'll be rounding up all of the transfers that have taken place by around five o'clock this afternoon, so keep an ear out for that. Or hit subscribe, and that way you won't miss it. And we'll speak to you next time. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.